0: Fear-based marketing, it's a technique used that is often low on facts and high on emotion and creating false perceptions to gain trust.
1: People are led to believe kind of like movies like Food Inc. that aren't true, that livestock are just pumped full of hormones and antibiotics and they're just raised in these torturous conditions and like that really couldn't be further from the truth. Farm
0: Babe, Michelle Miller joins me to talk about how fear-based marketing has been perpetuating an anti-agricultural movement across our country and creating conflict within our own industry by pitting producers against each other on this episode of The Working Ranch Radio Show. Hello everyone welcome again to another episode of the working ranch radio show i'm your host justin mills thanks for joining us here on our program today by the way today is episode 54 and i always try to mention that because i think uh, if you like what you hear and we hope you do that if you want to go back and listen to it again the show is carried on pretty much any podcast provider out there and if you search those providers any one of those that you specifically like working ranch radio show we will show up and you can find all of the episodes that we've aired, you know, it's a really good way to you know, to bookmark that, go back and listen to it or also to uh, share it on social media or share the link with somebody that you want to uh, pass along that information. So again, today's episode is episode 54. Now, if you heard in the very intro of the program, we're going to be talking on the subject of fear-based marketing. As I said at the very beginning, it's a technique used that is often very low on facts and very high on using emotion uh, to create false perceptions and to try to gain trust of folks. And based upon that, you know, I think there's really a lot of different areas that we've seen fear-based marketing uh, being used. I mean, really, we've actually seen it used within our own industry. And we're going to talk about that because that really is a true frustration that I have is to see our own folks within our own food industry, agricultural industry, ranching industry, then pit against each other and and use fear-based marketing to try to push their agenda. Nevertheless, we've also seen fear-based marketing uh, really being used as a technique to really put people, our society against the agricultural industry as a whole. And so today I'm pleased to have with us, she's going to be joining us later on. She's known by the farm babe. Yeah, the farm babe is what she goes by. Her name is Michelle Miller. She's a speaker, agriculture proponent, and a social media influencer. And I'm pleased to have her on our program today as we're going to be addressing these particular topics with her because it's something that she has uh, she's doing on a, a daily basis is trying trying. trying to dispel the myths that are out there about agriculture that are being used, Uh, fear-based elements are being used to push these myths out there and pit our society against agriculture. And like I said, one of the big frustrations I have is to see our own industry start eating on ourselves uh, in in a way to try to push our market share. So we're going to be talking about that today. Again, Farm Bay, Michelle Miller will be my guest. In just a few moments, the Captain Tim O'Byrne will be up to share with us this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. And of course, as we always have in our final segment today, meteorologist Don Day will be in to take a look at our long-term weather. Right now, I'd like to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, the American Simmental Association. And from maternal traits to terminal traits, the genetic merit of Simmental Genetics has provided increased profitability to the rancher. Genetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, the King Ranch Institute of Ranch Management, the American Hereford Association Come Home to Hereford, and the North American Limousine Foundation. Limousine cattle deliver to your bottom line. Well, it's time now. Let's check in with the captain, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents.
2: Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Justin, as I look back over my career, I'm trying to piece together you know how i got here and going through the whole big outfit cowboy years i'm giving a lot of thought to my mentors a lot of them have passed on over the great divide some of them are still alive and uh, i'm talking to some of them and i'm getting some interesting viewpoints about you know mentoring and and how we learn things especially in agriculture and i've um, put myself in a position to be a high school mentor by recording some uh, some videos for some high school kids and just kind of you know let them know uh, the things that we learned, especially uh, the cowboy code and how that all works, um, respect that sort of thing. And it got me to thinking. There was a I had I had a few mentors that didn't even know that they were mentoring me. They were just doing their jobs and living their lives. And guys like us, young impressionable cowboys like us would watch them and try to emulate them. The ones that obviously were very good at what they did and were were well respected. And so that's my message here today on Tim's Two Cents. Guys and gals out there, whatever you do out there today in front of these young people, there's a very good chance that they are gonna be watching you, whether you think they're watching you or not, and they're gonna learn from you, and you have an obligation and a responsibility to do very, very good in front of those young folks because uh, they're they're the ones coming up they are gonna take this thing over, and I'm trusting them to do better than we did, even though we did awesome. It's my two cents, Justin. Back to you, great show. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you bet. Well, Captain, you lost me at the at the part you said we did awesome. But no, no, seriously, uh, uh, I think a lot of us, we would not be where we're at today without a strong mentor or mentors in our lives. And there's two things to that. First of all, if you were somebody that was mentored by somebody that you, you know, really attribute a lot of where you're at to today, let them know. Give them a call, send them a, uh, a note, handwritten note or whatever. But let them know that. And then also, if you were mentored by somebody and you appreciated what that what that did for you, like the captain said. Don't be afraid to take that role on. It's going to put you in an uncomfortable position potentially, but in the long run, you'll be better for it. And no doubt the one you're mentoring will be better for it as well. So captain, what a great reminder for that. I know for myself, like I said, I would not be where I'm at as well without great mentors that I've had throughout my life. Well, stay with us. When we come back, we're going to continue into our main subject today. We're going to be talking about fear-based marketing. It's a great subject. I'm glad to have food babe, Michelle Miller as our guest today we'll be back with more you're listening to the working ranch radio show on roll radio channel 147 sirius xm It's a competitive calf market, and buyers want calves that will perform. Period. And a proven solution is Simmental. In fact, data from the Tri County Steer Carcass Faturity from 2002 through 2018 on nearly 60,000 head of calves revealed that Simmental sired calves represented the highest carcass valued sire group over English and other continental breed groups. And the sire group that was the second highest carcass value was Simangus sire. So, the proof's right there. For low risk, high potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We thank you for joining us here on our program today. Our feature topic is going to be on fear-based marketing. And if you joined us in the in, earlier in our program, you heard basically how it's being used to pit agriculture or the society against agriculture. And it's also being used to pit our industry against each other. And as you, as you listen today, you're probably going to have some light bulb moments that say, oh yeah, I see where that's being used. And I see how it's being used within our own industry which is not necessarily a good thing and in my efforts to try to find somebody that could talk about this I ran across the farm babe is what she goes by Michelle Miller and she's a speaker uh, uh, and a social media influencer and a very huge proponent of american agriculture and so i'm pleased to have michelle miller known as the farm babe joining us today on our program
1: yeah thanks so much for having me
0: you know before we get into some of the questions michelle i'm going to ask you uh you're known as the farm babe and i want to know kind of how did that all come about because i know you have you grew up in wisconsin you're now in florida but let's get into a little bit about how you got started with what you're doing today
1: Yeah, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin, but I went to college in Los Angeles, and so my entire 20s were spent in downtown LA or downtown Chicago, so I actually had become this pretty big city girl, and I ended up dating a farmer, and I moved to Iowa and spent most of my 30s in Iowa on the farm. And so when you go from a big city to a small town, you know, I kind of experienced both at both extreme ends of the spectrum of being about as city as you can go, mm-hmm. I believed every food labeling myth under the sun. Yeah. I was an anti-GMO activist, um, would only shop at Whole Foods, only eat organic, had to look for antibiotic-free meats and hormone-free chicken and, you know, all that stuff that a lot of consumers um, fall victim to, just a lot of the misinformation. And then when I moved to the farm and I started learning the real facts direct from the farmers, the farm that I was on and the farm that my, you know, neighbors and friends, I decided to start a platform surrounding myth-busting. And that was to give farmers and science a bigger voice and to help people realize, you know, organic foods can still use pesticides. You know, there's no such thing as added hormones in chicken. Um, Non-GMO is not necessarily (laughs) a good or bad thing. It doesn't really tell you much. And most foods are non-GMO to begin with. And so I started it in 2014. And it was a spinoff of the Food Babe. So there was the Food Babe is probably one of the biggest sources of misinformation online about Mm. food and farming. And she was Spreading so much nonsense, and when I was blocked and banned from her page, um, like so many other people were, there's like a Facebook group called Banned by the Food Babe, which has like 10,000 people in it. I'm not even exaggerating, there's literally like 10,000 people. Um, and I just realized that, like, farmers I mean, I've been silenced and banned from so many uh, of these pages that are spreading point blank lies, you know, because it's as a farmer, it's like you want to be able to talk about farming. And when you're silenced, I was just like, wow, like, this is crazy. So um, I started my page, the farm babe to spread the real truth, direct from real farmers mm-hmm. and real experts where I don't need to silence anybody. because <laughs> I don't need to ban a lot of people because <laughs> what I speak is the truth and I don't have to hide anything. So it's been a fun journey.
0: Well, I I'm glad we kind of got to hear where that came from because I think that that's right down the alley of really why I wanted to visit with you because when you said you know your your original intent was to start kind of myth busting some of these false and fear based elements that are in our food industry out there and so many of our our folks of course are ranchers and they and and as it was you and I talked before. We're going to be preaching to the choir today about what you have to say, but at the same time, I think so much in our industry, we know that information is not accurate and does not accurately reflect ranching, but at the same time, we don't know how to defend ourselves.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's taken me some time to like understand the best analogies and the best way to go about it and just lots of practice. And so, yeah, I'm happy to help. And hopefully people listening today will um, have some better ways to tackle the tough topics and have these conversations that can be a little challenging to discuss at first. But the more you practice, the more you talk about it, the easier it becomes.
0: Mm-hmm. So as as we look at this and some of the myths, really, it's, it's coming down to utilizing fear of some element or say or pr- provoking people into saying well if you do this you're 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 harming this or you're or you're uh, promoting this so from your standpoint uh, from the, if we look at fear-based marketing that's out there and you, you hit on several things when you talked about just where you were at uh, before you moved back to the farm and realizing that, wow, there's some things that aren't right there. Can we go through a couple of big items from your perspective that they're using fear-based marketing to promote products in a way that's not accurate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the biggest thing really kind of stems from organics. Um there's like, like I used to be an anti-GMO activist, right? Well, why, why was I, how, why did I feel that way? Mm-hmm. And it was because I had watched that film called Food Inc., which is so full of misinformation. But I was living in downtown Chicago at the time. And I hadn't really been exposed to any other side of the argument or never really had to the opportunity to have conversations with real farmers. Cause this was kind of before social media was a big thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I'm sitting here thinking, Oh, my God, this is horrible. GMOs are the devil. Um, But really, if you look at who funded Food Inc. and you look at who's funding the anti GMO movement, organic food corporations are spending about three billion dollars a year leading with fear as a marketing. So they want people to think that GMOs are bad and that because GMOs are bad, you have to buy organic they also don't tell that organic can still use pesticides sometimes. So this fear-based marketing and lots of misinformation is really saying, well, everything is trying to poison you, so you better buy my product, mm-hmm. Um Three easy payments of $39.99, like always be (laughs) weary of these like sales pitches, right? But, um, so there's, I think there's a lot of fear based around pesticides and, and chemophobia, you know, not, not even realizing, you know, the dose makes the poison and that our food has a lot of checks and balances to ensure its safety, um, I don't think you'll ever hear a, a health professional say get healthier uh, by eating less fruits and vegetables, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So we shouldn't be using fear around fresh produce because it's one of the best things you can put in your body, regardless of how it's grown. And you should wash your produce if you're worried, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of fear based marketing around that. And then there's a lot of it surrounding so called factory farms and animal husbandry and animal uh, welfare. Um, And so those are some of my favorite myths to talk about, you know, how there's like no such thing as added hormones or steroids in poultry. I mean, people are led to believe kind of like movies like Food Inc. that aren't true, that livestock are just pumped full of hormones and antibiotics and they're just raised in these torturous conditions and like that really couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and so those I think are some of the biggest things. It's just like vegan animal rights activists asking for donations to tell people to go vegan mm-hmm. or you know, um, grass fed or organic uh, type meat companies trying to say well if, or, or maybe even something like a Beyond Burger, like um, the meet alternatives Mm -hmm. uh, are basically wanting people to believe that if you're not buying their product, you're buying something that's coming from a terrible place. And that's really not true. Um, So there's, I mean, it's, it's rampant in our industry, but it's so important for us to talk about it and, and combat it, use social media and different tools to, to, um, Help get the real truth out there. Yeah,
0: I want to come back to that a little bit more here later on about within our own industry and kind of feeding within our, ourselves. Let's go into for specifically from your perspective, some of the biggest myths when it comes to ranching and the things that you have uh, you you touch on when you're presenting and the things that you've tried to dispel.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it boils down to, um, I I think, environmental perspectives. There's a lot on that, too. You know, Um, people just thinking, well, we, we shouldn't be raising animals like this in this way or we shouldn't be doing this. But the reality is that ranching does a lot for the environment, for carbon sequestration and all these other things that it can really bring a benefit to and just the importance of talking about what we do and why we do it. You know, I mean, when you're talking about different types of brands or selling the calves or, um, you know, grain finishing, you know, where do they, where do these cattle go? Um, why aren't they all grass fed? I mean, first of all, yes, they're, grass fed. But then I think a lot of people don't think about uh, snow (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or people think, oh, well, livestock should be raised outdoors. And it's like, yeah, but did you ever think about um, winter where, of course, they have to eat some type of forage like farmers have to create some type of food for them to eat and so they think of like green grass pasture and sunny days but they don't think about um, disease and predators and 100 degree temperatures and blizzards and everything that livestock have to go through and so um, farmers and ranchers deserve all their respect in the world because they work through any weather condition you know like we don't get snow days Um, the cows have to be milked the cattle have to be fed, whatever that is. Um, And so, yeah, I think just talking about what it is, what we do, why we do it, and making sure that the people that do it um, get the respect they deserve.
0: Mm Well, let's take a break here. If you're just joining us, my guest today is the farm babe, Michelle Miller, speaker, influencer, and writer, uh, and a huge advocate for agriculture. We're going to continue more with her and delve next into the subject of the industry pitting itself against each other on basically whose product is better because of what they do. We're going to talk about it when we come back. You're listening to The Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM.
2: Kaching, More
3: pounds, more calves, more profit. Studies show Hereford Genetics increased net profit by $51 per cow per year. That's $20,000 in additional revenue for a typical 400-cow outfit. And calves sired by Hereford bulls continue to add value through the chain. A documented $30 per head in feedlot profitability. That's real money and real results. Get more ka Come home to Hereford at hereford.org.
0: Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you and appreciate you joining us back on our program. We're talking on the subject of fear-based marketing and some of the myths and, and misinformation that has been used to pit our society against the agricultural industry. My guest today is the farm bait, Michelle Miller. And one of the things that I've noticed and, I, and I've and i seen you as, as you've talked about this on your Facebook page is, is and and right now we're in uh, element within our ranching industry where we're starting to see. See maybe a little bit more incentive for ranchers to produce all natural product or, and, and go down roads of, uh, specific marketing with their product. But one of the things that happens though too, is, is we start to get into this kind of feeding with on ourselves and saying, well, I do this. So my product's better than yours. And I've, and I've seen you kind of put some things on your, on your page that kind of balances out, Hey, if somebody wants to choose, you know, uh, hormone free uh, or all natural type cattle. Hey, that's your prerogative. That's fine. But here's the yeah. other side of it. It doesn't mean that this product is any better or any, any less uh, or any worse for you. And so let's kind of address that particular Avenue that's going down because I, the frustration for me is when we see our own industry just feeding off itself and trying to promote their over, over their neighbor. And, and in the long run, we're hurting ourselves.
2: A
1: hundred percent. Yeah. So there's absolutely niche markets that farmers and ranchers can and probably should participate in, especially from a profitability marketing standpoint is very true. Um, And talk about what you do well and talk about what makes you different. And you know what, at the end of the day, if that customer feels connected to you and your product and they know and believe and feel and can taste the quality, do it. I mean, by all means um and 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 the product will sell itself if that's the case right but it is really important that we're not putting down other producers because we don't want to create this war between us to the point where consumers don't trust any of it anymore i think people are realizing hey um natural doesn't really mean as much as we think it did and now i think they're realizing that organic and non-gmo is almost kind of like the new natural and if we are labeling people to death and they say okay um antibiotic-free, okay, it's all Mm -hmm. antibiotic-free. Hormone-free chicken. There's no such thing as hormones in chicken, added hormones in chicken. Um, You know, non-GMO, well, there's only 10 GMOs. Uh, Natural, what does that mean? Organic, that uses pesticides. Um, You know, it may or may not, but like non-organic farms may or may not. Like a label doesn't really tell us much, uh, commercially especially, with regards to how that product is grown. So if people want a real product, that they know exactly what they're getting. The best thing they can do is buy from the farmer and rancher direct, which also helps the farmer and rancher be more profitable, but also kind of takes some of the watered down approach out of the marketing labels, right? Mm-hmm. So when you when you put everybody down, and then people realize, well, you actually probably shouldn't have put that person down because they're a good farmer too. That just erodes trust. And what we need to do is continue to build on trust. Talk about what you do right and well and build that connection and relationship. But it doesn't mean that the, that your neighbor is doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just continue to build on strengths and trust.
0: Mm-hmm. So within our own industry, you know, one of the... I, I, I really get it, and I don't want to I guess to, for lack of better words beat a dead horse here but I, I really get frustrated I hear an ad on the radio of a and I'm not going to call them out who they are but but one of the things that that they're advertising out there is you know grass fed grass finished beef and lamb pastured pork and chicken and wild caught salmon and and really really putting down factory farming as if every everybody but them is factory farming and so that's just frustrating from my standpoint because it's like man that's just that is not really drawing a true picture of our industry
1: yeah exactly um i hate the term factory farm and i think anybody else in our industry probably would because 97 percent of farms in the us are still family farms and they're run by people who care and so the thing is is like no system is perfect It, it Every single label or product, uh, whether it's grass-fed and grass-finished or GMO corn-finished in our feedlot, right? Like mm-hmm. every single system has its pluses and minuses, both economically, both environmentally, both flavor, quality, sales. There's really, it's not so black and white. And the industry wants to paint it black and white, and that's really not how it works. Mm-hmm.
0: So from from an industry standpoint, as I, as we talked about a bit ago, one of the things is, what do we do as an ag industry when, you know, when we're sitting in a, in a deal and and so much of our, unfortunately, so many of the people that we're around probably uh, are in agreement of what we do. But how do we how do we then become the proponents of what we're doing? What do we need, need to be doing better?
1: So I'll give you an example. Have you seen the movie Kiss the Ground?
0: No, I haven't
1: okay well it's an hour and a half long movie on netflix that is all about the regenerative farming movement and now i'm a huge fan of this right Mm -hmm. like no-till farming, cover crops, soil testing, crop rotation, all these great things, you know, these were a part of, uh, I was on the farm in Iowa, and we had earned awards for Farmers of the Year in Soil and Water Conservation, and all of this is really great, this whole regenerative thing, and, you know, um, re- regenerating our pastures and soils and all that stuff, and, and focusing on that is is wonderful, mm-hmm. um, but you look at a movie like Kiss the Ground, it's an hour and a half long film that took me over four hours to finish because I kept stopping because I wanted to bang my head against the wall. Okay. Because they had a really missed opportunity because they went back into the propaganda of con- comparing conventional agriculture to like chemical warfare. Like they literally compared it to like not- the Nazis, like mm-hmm. concentration camp. Like how low can you go? And when you do stuff like this, so I I've written a movie review about this. If you check okay. out, um, I'm, I'm a weekly columnist on agdaily.com. And okay. if you look up farm, babe, kiss the ground ag Daily, you'll find my movie review, but, uh, God, it was awful, and I took it to social. I took to social media, and I was like, "Is anybody else sharing my frustration?" To which they absolutely were. A lot of farmers and ranchers um, couldn't make it past the first fifteen minutes because the propaganda was just there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if we want more farmers to switch to regenerative practices, and if we want more people to be focused on this. We need to make sure that we're not putting down the very farmers that we want to pay attention. Mm-hmm. We can't, they have celebrities on there. Celebrities are a great way to get the point across. Unfortunately, the celebrities that are currently telling the story of agriculture are getting it all wrong. You've got like an Ellen DeGeneres, um, Leonardo DiCaprio preaching veganism, and getting hundreds of millions of views overnight. Whereas um, agriculture, if you think about it, it's like, who are our celebrities? Like, who? Yeah, Who's in our corner? Meanwhile, you've got all these major celebrities and all these dollars being funded to celebrities saying, well, we've got to have grass fed this and, and pasture raised that and whatever, um, which is fine. There's a market for it. But We need celebrities to embrace all facets of agriculture because it takes all types. You know, not everybody is a first world elitist celebrity that can afford to pay $6 a dozen for eggs. We need affordable food for everyone and not go into the food shaming aspect. So what happens if we would have celebrities on farms that could learn the real science and truth behind what we're doing? I find that whenever Mm -hmm. I write articles about celebrities, they go pretty viral because (laughs) it's important. Like, remember in the 90s when it was the Got Milk campaign, we had every celebrity under the sun. Milk was so cool in the 90s. And now we got Kim Kardashian as the new face of veganism. Mm -hmm. So what do we think is going to happen? People are going to... And then we're wondering why... Are we losing dairy farms at alarming rates? Why are farmers going out of business? Why is there so much of a greater market share going to milk alternatives on the shelf? It's because of celebrities and perception and the loudest voices having the most influence. Mm -hmm. So... You know, what I do on social media, I've got a couple hundred thousand followers. It's cool. I mean, I reach probably between two to three million people a month. All right. But that's got nothing on what a celebrity does. Yeah. So what we need to do better overall as an industry is get involved with these celebrity voices and have to, and make sure that our industry is is fighting for us, that our lobbying groups are working with these powerful voices, that they're getting them on farms, lobbying for proper policy, and making sure that people are voting for the right thing that are ultimately going to help us all.
0: Mm-hmm let's take a break here when we come back we're going to continue my guest today is the farm babe Michelle Miller a speaker and writer as well as a social media influencer that uh, has been very powerful in her methods and ways of helping to kind of try to turn the table a little bit for American agriculture Michelle you just talked a little bit about the use of celebrities and also policies let's talk more about those two subjects when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio show we'll be back with more after this
2: if you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow would you do it In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency, with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today. Profit tomorrow.
0: Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Before we jump back into our subject today, you know, those riding lead on some of these large ranches today, they know livestock and they know natural resource management. But those that are exceptional at what they're doing, Are set apart by their business savvy their ability to communicate and to lead people well the king ranch institute for ranch management master's degree program well it can provide you with that leg up to advance your ranching career the curriculum internship management projects and outreach education events will sharpen your management skills and they'll expand your professional network. So if you'd like to share that experience with over 45 alumni that currently manage over 7 million acres and 155,000 head of cattle, well, check out the program by typing in k-r-i-r-m into your favorite web browser again it's k-r-i-r-m into your favorite web browser to find out more about the king ranch institute for ranch management well let's get back into our featured subject today we're talking on fear-based marketing my guest today is the farm babe michelle miller and michelle before the break uh, we were talking about the use of celebrities in in some of these tactics and also some policy changes that need to be looked at so as you talked about policy is there some policy issues that really I I know sometimes that gets swayed back and forth between who's in power you know within the nation but uh, from a from a policy standpoint what are some things that we need to be looking at?
1: Oh gosh there's so many so many the the first one that comes to mind for me being in Florida now is um, the importance of buying local and USA grown Um, here in Florida, we have a huge problem with imports, um, sometimes illegal imports. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of the ways that drugs are smuggled into this country. And uh, a lot of the big corporations choose to buy produce from foreign countries because of their bottom line. Um, In Florida, a lot of the fresh produce, Florida is a huge ag state. People don't realize this. We have like 260 different commodities, uh, something like that here, I think. It's just crazy. Surrounded by massive fruit and vegetable farms. So for example, bell peppers are in season right now. And if you go to the local Publix here, our big grocery chain, they're buying them from Mexico. Well, Mexico can pay their employees 10 or $15 a day, whereas we're doing that, you know, $15 more so per hour. And farmers have to abandon their harvest because they're not even getting paid what it costs them to produce it and so it's so sad because we've got hundreds of thousands of pounds of produce that is left to rot in the fields or get fed to livestock which is good so it's still going somewhere but but the profitability standpoint, when publics, right now green bell peppers are perfectly in season and they are buying from Mexico for pennies on the dollar compared to what they could get it here to support their own country. And so a lot of this boils down to corporations not being right to American farmers and ranchers. We talk a lot about country of origin labeling that we would all like to improve on beef. Yeah, that's true. That's good. That's another important policy. But we have to do that with produce too. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. Then, of course, there's like Prop 12. You know, there's a lot more pushes for cage-free this and, and that and all that. But again, every system has its pros and cons. Like, why were cages developed to begin with? Why are all these systems in place? Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. But that room for improvement, it needs to come from the actual experts, the real pig farmers, the real researchers that are doing this, and not just public perception because it sounds okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think that's been a fight from the beginning is you have opinions being pushed out there that absolutely have no factual basis.
1: Right. They don't know what it. they just do. What sounds good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. Like, let's let's talk about the science behind why things are done the way they are. If livestock aren't happy, healthy, comfortable, they're not going to produce. And so it's another thing, too, that is good to talk to you know, your average consumer or whatnot, or it's like, hey, think about this. Like my entire business and livelihood is based around these animals. Mm -hmm. Thinking that you abuse the animals or you don't care about their well-being is like, that's like somebody saying, hey, I make tables for a living. So I think I'm going to cut and scratch up my table and cut off one of the legs before I sell it. You ain't going to sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So it's the same kind of analogy of like, no matter what you're selling, creating a quality product that's, that's clean and well taken care of, that looks nice, that's healthy, that's sturdy and quality. I mean, it's just no matter what you're selling is, is very important to, to your business and your profit.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to go back and touch back on something. I should have asked you this before, but when you were talking about, you know, how celebrities have really come on board and being the really the wrong spokesman for our food industry because they have, absolutely have no factual information on that. And who are who are the agriculture celebrities out there? Do you have, I mean, give me, give me your thought. How do we get there? How do we, how do we do this? Do we, do we literally need to be bringing some of these folks on, on a ranch, on a farm, on a place and, and going through that process with them? Are we not doing that?
1: Yeah, I think we absolutely do need to. And you think about somebody like a Mike Rowe, who is um, doing a pretty good job, too, with his dirty jobs, you know, really kind of showcasing yeah. the, the reality of ranching or, you know, the show Yellowstone. I've actually never seen Yellowstone, but I hear it's really good. I should watch it. <laughs> um, and um, but like uh, I know that. um uh, Gordon Ramsay has been doing a great job uh, really calling out vegan animal rights activists and putting them in their place. And um, he started a hashtag, Every Chef Needs a Farmer, and has done some really great videos thanking farmers and ranchers. And um, that's another article I wrote if you want to look sure. up uh, farm babe, Gordon Ramsey, Ag Daily. Uh, you can look up this article, but he's, he's been awesome to us. Um, and, you know, uh, I know like Luke Bryan has done the farm tour and he's from a, you know, I think he's the son of a peanut farmer and, um, and uh, does all these concerts and farms uh, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I think those are kind of some of the the ones that come to mind. But then you think about something like a farm aid that's yeah. full of celebrities, that's so full of misinformation. Yeah. And it's just like, I felt so uncomfortable when I went to farm aid, like they're not representing us at all.
0: Yeah. You, you read my mind there. That's exactly the one I was thinking of that originally started with good intentions. But boy, I'll tell you what has really moved off the mark in terms of really understanding what American agriculture is about we'll stay with us when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with the food babe michelle miller as we talk about there have been some very successful campaigns for agriculture in the dairy business in the beef industry that i can think of just off the top of my head we're going to talk about that and then some final comments from her when we come back you're listening to the working ranch radio show on rural radio channel 147 sirius xm Animal health is key to your business. So how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoe. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform. Accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, your host here today. And our topic has been on fear-based marketing. Uh, We've been exploring the different avenues, how that's being used to, and has been used to pit society against agriculture, American agriculture, and also how it's also had its fingers in our own industry and pitting each other against each other. But the Farm Babe, Michelle Miller, is my guest today. She's a published writer, speaker, and food myth buster, also a social media influencer and doing one heck of a job for American agriculture. And Michelle, you know, in previous decades, before we saw really the rise of social media, there has been some very influential and very impacting media uh campaigns that has been good for agriculture i think of a couple offhand one of course is uh, and i know for with you being from wisconsin would be the dairy campaign
1: and there got milk there was no doubt in my mind that milk was just the coolest drink you could possibly have you Mm -hmm. know i mean i I thought for sure that if i drank milk i would grow up to look like cindy crawford because (laughs) that's just the messaging back then yeah and um it was just so cool and it was nutritious and everybody knew that but nowadays you have kids going well I don't know what I don't know what to drink you know mommy says that we need to drink soy milk and and go um, plant-based and and gluten-free and so that's what I do and um, you know maybe maybe we should give up dairy you know this is what I heard and what I read because we just don't have that strong marketing message like we used to Mm
0: -hmm. yeah well, even the beef industry uh, has probably weakened a little bit in their efforts of really trying to push that product out there. I mean, I don't want to be too critical there because they are doing, you know, beef. It's what's for dinner has been a has been a big tagline for a lot of lot of yeah. years. But but then you know, and then while they have continued to push that out there, there's it's almost like the other side is louder than that.
1: Absolutely, I would agree with that. The beef it's what's for dinner campaign was and is awesome Um, but again that boils down to like before social media when beef it's what's for dinner you know the song was on all the commercials Mm -hmm. well nowadays people don't really watch TV as much they get like Hulu and Netflix and they'll pay more to have commercial free Um, and so it's like really social media is that number one way to do it and how can we get the campaigns where we get some of these heavy hitters out on farms where they're still doing the same message but we just have to go about it in a different way now that it's no longer about magazine print ads and television commercials it's about social media Mm -hmm. it's tiktok it's instagram it's facebook it's youtube twitter however you want to put that out
0: yeah and and i know in other conversations that i've had you say that to majority of the industry that is you know the average age of the american farmer rancher out there over 55 years of of age there's almost like a shudder through their body to say oh man i don't know if i want to mess with that
1: (laughs) it's absolutely a generational thing too you know i'm in my 30s um and I feel like I need to hire a high school kid to show me (laughs) TikTok, right? But it's probably the same for me as it is for like my dad who barely uses email. Yeah, You know, so it's like the younger you go, the more social media savvy they probably are because that's what the kids these days are doing. (laughs) (laughs) But um, there is definitely... There's definitely a uh, a market for it and a need for it, and um, you know it's like we just need the heavy hitters with the budget to do it. You know, I'm just a one-woman show with a very small, um, self-propelled budget. But uh, you know, when it comes to the big industry groups, how can we Mm -hmm. how to portray that
0: yeah you know i think one of the issues that we have in our industry though too is that it's like we almost like well if they're not going to tell the story exactly like i want it to be told well then we're not going to mess with it and we really don't see a lot of collaboration and working together uh on on some of this kind of stuff because they say well they're a little off here they are i don't totally agree with them so i'm just not going to help with the project
1: Yeah, you totally should help with the project because if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. And so it's (laughs) like every little bit counts and your voice really matters. And I think that's probably what my closing points would be, Mm -hmm. would be to say like your voice matters. Um, I, I was able to influence Burger King with the power of one tweet. And, but you think about like, how when we came together, remember the anti-corn syrup ad for the Super Bowl a yeah. couple of years back? Um, the industry did a really great job of agriculture fought back. We did videos, pictures, tweets. I mean, we just blew up Twitter explaining, you know, how you shouldn't put down corn syrup. Well, then Anheuser-Busch came around and they did their whole bush light corn on the can, mm-hmm. corn combines, corn stands. We proudly support Iowa corn growers, like whatever it was that they were doing. Um, that's the whole thing. It's like when farmers and ranchers think that my, you know, oh, I don't know, I'm too busy, my voice isn't going to make a difference. Well, guess what? I thought the same thing before I started reaching millions of people a month and before I was able to influence corporations like Burger King or I just had a call with Chipotle a couple weeks ago. Which I don't know what's going to come of that, but it's it's the it's the power of our voices can matter. Mm-hmm. And um, never underestimate the power of how much people want to hear from you. There's never been a better time for people to want to learn where their food comes from, and for you as the producer to have the opportunity to have that discussion.
0: Sure, sure. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you for joining us. Some as you close there, are some great some great information there. And for folks that want to kind of follow you a little bit, is I know you're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. TikTok, maybe.
1: <laughs> yep, TikTok, YouTube, Snapchat, you name it. I'm on everything.
0: And it's if you just search the Farm Babe, you're going to find it, right?
1: Yes. So my handle is at the Farm Babe on everything except Facebook. Facebook, you can just search Farm Babe and you'll find me. Okay. And my website is thefarmbabe.com, where you can learn all about it, read my articles, watch videos, um, and learn a little bit more about what I do. Public okay. speaker writer columnist social media all that good stuff (laughs) so thanks a lot for following along
0: and an influencer doing what we need to have done for our ag industry so i appreciate you doing that yes
1: thank you my pleasure but now we all need to do it together so it's a lot of what i speak on is like encouraging farmers and ranchers to speak up
0: the farm babe michelle miller has been my guest here on the working ranch radio show thank you for joining us again
1: yes thanks so much for having me
0: And again, that's The Farm Babe. Michelle Miller has been my guest today on our program. By the way, her website is thefarmbabe.com. And folks, if you'd like a great speaker at your next conference or convention, feel free to reach out to her through her website and get a hold of her. She's a phenomenal speaker. I'd encourage you to do that. And before we go, one final comment. You know, and and I know a lot of you folks listening, we, we target more the ranching industry here on our program. But one of the things that as we talk today... A lot of talk and evolving different elements of the agricultural industry. And something to keep in mind and as Michelle was giving the example of uh, green peppers down in Florida. You know, you might say, well, that really doesn't affect our, our ranch or our cattle operation. But folks, it does because it's agriculture. And if you don't think it's coming after you at some point, the things that we're seeing in other elements of agriculture will, in fact, hit other parts if we don't get ahead of it now. And I think that's really something to pull away from this is don't get caught up in the fact that, well, we had a lot of conversations about farming, or we talked about the poultry, or we talked about uh, the pork industry or, or fruits and vegetables. That's not the point. The point is, is that we have to be positive and, and good advocates for agriculture and be active and be proponents utilizing the tools at hand to get our story out. And it's not the time, nor the nor is our industry so huge that we can just bury our heads in the sand and not try to do something about it. So I appreciate Michelle, the farm babe, joining us on our program today. And I appreciate what she's doing for our agricultural industry will stay with us when we come back we'll jump in with the meteorologist don day to take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back with more on the working ranch radio show after this Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, your host. Thanks for joining us here on our program today as we turn now towards a look at our long-term weather. And joining us is meteorologist Don Day on the road today as you are coming back home. You've been in Kansas this week. Is that correct? correct let's talk about our weather you have been giving us indications that the latter part of the month and the first part of february could start to get a little bit dicey things are starting to come into place that yes that is indeed the fact and so tell us about that and just where specifically we're going to see this we're very wintry weather
3: well we're certainly seeing it developing now uh with some uh western corn belt snow and freezing rain and colder weather that throughout the course of the next several days, is going to be expanding across the Ohio Valley, parts of the Great Lakes, and the interior parts of the northeastern United States. Uh going to see a pretty major winter storm, and uh, this is going to be followed by some Arctic air uh, going to be coming into a lot of the northern plains, corn belts, a part the Midwest, as we go into the latter days of January and into early February, a lot of the, the central and eastern United States will have some of the coldest weather they've seen this winter season. Uh, that's where the focus of the harshest winter weather will be. It's going to have Arctic cold in it. It's going to have snow. There's going to be some rain and freezing rain that's going to penetrate pretty far south. Um, now, one part of the country that is going to kind of be in a break is going to be the West Coast, California. The great eastern State, and the desert southwest kind of protected from this. And really, along and west of the Continental Divide to the Pacific, not much going on. But from the Rockies east, there's a lot of winter coming over the next 10 to 14 days.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it look like it's going to be prolonged? Like, how, how long is it going to last?
3: Well, I think there is going to be persistent cold. I think this is cold that's going to, you uh, know, it'll, it'll come in waves. It always does but it will be persistently colder than average for maybe up to two weeks for the center part of the country to the east coast. If you were to like put the center part of the coldest weather, I would say it's going to be right into the heart of the Corn Belt and uh, parts of the central areas of the United States. And that's where I think it'll be most persistently cold. So this is the type of cold that's going to have some stain power. Uh, with really no significant warm-up for a while. Is
0: there a lot of moisture in this, or is it just going to be mainly cold weather?
3: Well, there is going to be initially some snow at this, and that's what is going to make it cold, because there's going to be a fair amount of snow falling, and we're seeing that right now developing in parts of the upper Midwest, and parts of the Western Corn Belt, and as that storm expands over the coming days, that's going to put some snow cover down. Now, after this Arctic wave comes in and we get some snow, We get what we call clipper systems, systems that dive southeast out of Canada. And what they do is they don't bring a tremendous amount of moisture, but they reinforce the cold. And they also bring a little more in the way of light to moderate snowfall. So there is going to be both the cold and snow.
0: About a year ago or not, uh, we're just less than a year ago when we saw the severe cold hit the southern part of the country. How far south is this going to be stretching into?
3: We see two different scenarios. Uh, one scenario, and I think this is probably the most likely, is that we are going to see a pretty good penetration of this cold air to the southeastern United States. This would include Florida, Georgia, uh, Alabama, the, the, the Carolinas. Uh, they could see some pretty significant cold relative to averages uh, with this cold snap. So that's going to be more directed to the southeast. The other scenario is, some of that cold comes back to the West again and potentially could get into the Southern Plains. Oklahoma, Texas, Eastern New Mexico. Um, I certainly think that early February, that is an area we'll need to keep an eye on for the potential for some pretty cold winter weather again. So will it be of the same level and impact as what we had in 2021? I can't tell you that yet. But certainly there's potential for some pretty cold weather into those areas as well.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Safe drive on your way home. Thanks, sir.
3: Have a good day. And
0: again, that's meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. You know, a good way to start your day is by listening to his weather video podcast. You can find that every Monday through Friday morning at dayweather.com. I'm kind of a regular, it's part of my routine. I'd suggest it as well. It looks like here in the next couple of weeks, we do have some uh, kind of tough weather coming down the line. So if you want to kind of keep in tune with that, A good place to do that is through his website at dayweather.com. I'd also like to thank my guest today joining us on our featured interview as we talked on this issue of fear based marketing, The Farm Babe, Michelle Miller, and appreciate the work that she's done. If you'd like to find out more information about her, you can go to her website at TheFarmBabe.com or also, as she's on every social media platform out there, just search under The Farm Babe and you will find her as well. Well, I'd like to thank our sponsors of today's program, the amazing. American Simmental Association, Heterosis Works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. And the King Ranch Institute of Ranch Management. Be part of the legacy through the master's program of the King Ranch Institute for Ranch Management. Look them up online at K-R-I-R-M on your favorite web browser. Also, the American Hereford Association. Come home to Hereford. Find out more at Hereford.org and the North American Limousine Foundation limousine cattle deliver to your bottom line. Find out more at www.nalf.org. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. And folks, I can tell you, I have my latest copy of the Working Ranch Magazine. And if I have it up here in northeastern Wyoming, I'm pretty sure everybody else has it. And if you don't have a copy of it sitting on your kitchen table, One place you can go to get that done is go to their website at WorkingRanchMag.com and get signed up for your subscription of one of the nation's leading ranch magazines, The Working Ranch Magazine. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me, please feel free to give me a call or send me a text, something you'd like us to cover here on the program, or something you'd heard you'd like to visit about, please feel free to give me a call or send me a text at 307-363-COWS, or you can send me an email at justin.workingranch.com at gmail.com well thanks again for joining us you'll find us right here on rural radio every weekend saturday and sunday at 12 noon eastern or on your podcast provider thanks again for joining me i'm your host justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle so long